dominated the Montana State Bobcats at the Fargo Dome last Saturday in a convincing, dominating performance of 42-14 victory where the sensation Trey Lance accounted for five touchdowns like his predecessor, Mr. Easton Stick, did last year against South Dakota State in the semifinals. And doesn't it feel... Bison Nation, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. I hope your festivities and your season has been going very, very well. My best thoughts and wishes and the best thoughts and wishes of the 740 AMK NFL family go out to all of you. And we certainly appreciate you tuning in to Heard It Here with Swanee FCS Saturday and all our other fine programming. Doesn't it feel like that game was two or three weeks ago, that Montana State game, rather than one week ago from right now, Chase Miller, Nolan Schmidt, and myself were sitting at Buffalo Wild Wings by the Fargo Dome telling you why North Dakota State was going to roll all over the Bobcats and get back to Frisco. That feels like such a long time ago. And here we are for the eighth time. For the eighth time in nine years we're getting ready to go back to frisco texas to compete and win the school's 16th 16th national championship now the bison have won seven of the last eight fcs national titles the bison have more fcs national titles than anybody in fcs history taking the record which was previously held by Georgia Southern and North Dakota State tied at six. North Dakota State is now on top of that mountain all by themselves. But eight Division II national championships, and that's important. You hear the Bison players and coaches talk about playing for the guys that came before them. One of the best parts about what NDSU does with its culture and tradition and its rich football history Happens every year, the Friday practice down in Frisco, Texas, where several hundred former players going back to the 1960s attend that practice, and they talk about Bison pride and how special it is. Nobody else in college football does that. It's not hyperbole. That's not cliche. There is literally nobody else in college football that has all their former players come back on championship eve to enjoy and celebrate and congregate in the fellowship of what this program has done. And that started in the 1960s by winning three small college division, which was the equivalent of now the FCS and Division II all lumped into one. There was no separate Division II. There was no separate FCS. It was all called a small college division. And NDSU won titles in 65, 68, and 69. And they were winning conference titles in the 1970s, going to the playoffs. Then starting in the 1980s when Don Morton got here, the Bison won their first Division II playoff national championship in 1983. 
than Jeff Bentram at the helm at quarterback. As a freshman that year in 83, Trey Lance will be the first freshman quarterback since Jeff Bentram to start a national championship game for the Bison. And when you think about all the quarterbacks that have played here, whether it was a Bentram, a Sindorm, an Arden Beachy, a Steve Walker, a Kevin Feeney, a Brock Jensen, Carson Wentz, Easton Stick. That's some pretty heady company. Bruce Krasamski, quarterback for some of those great 1960 teams, doing the coin flip before the Montana State game. Trey Lance will be the first freshman for North Dakota State at the quarterback position to start a national championship game since Jeff Bentram did it in 1983. In 1984, that team lost in the national title game on a last-second field goal as time expired to Troy State, a 50-yard field goal. They were back in 85 and 86, winning back-to-back national championships, three titles in four years. And in 1988, some guys named Sindorm and Tony Satter and Phil Hansen, they show up. They win a national title in 1988, go undefeated. 1990 rolls around. Sindorm wins the Harlan Hill. That goes to the best player in Division II in 1990. They roll IUP in the national championship game. A little bit of history there. IUP, I remember watching that game. Brother Swan and I got that game on VHS, and we, we must have watched that 100 times growing up. The Bison, tight game at the half, and in the third quarter, the Bison erupt and score five touchdowns. One of the greatest quarters in North Dakota state history. IUP's head coach is a guy named Frank Signetti. And if that name, Signetti, sounds familiar, it's because Frank Signetti is the father of James Madison's current head coach, Kirk Signetti. Bison Nation, how about that? We want nothing more. Then to make sure Junior Signetti joins his papa as teams and guys that have lost to North Dakota State in a national championship game. I remember Ed Schultz and Dana Mock on that call down in Florence, Alabama. Five touchdowns. I talked to Rocky Hager. I've, I've gotten to know Rock a little bit. We had him on last year down in Frisco. Tyler Axness and myself, we were broadcasting from Wild Pitch. We'll be doing that again Friday the 10th. Get down to Wild Pitch in Frisco, Texas. The mighty 790, our sister station, KFGO. We've got wall-to-wall coverage. You expect nothing less, so we're bringing it to you. All day long, KFGO will be broadcasting from Wild Pitch. Joel's going to be down there. Tyler's going to be down there. Chase Miller, myself, will be down there. Chase and I, we've got Heard It Here with Swanee. Special edition. We're broadcasting early. I can't be out too late that night, friends. Got to stay in game form. We're starting at 7 a.m. right here on 740 a.m. The Fan. Saturday morning, January 11th. Set your alarm clocks. If you're down tailgating, go to 740thefan.com. Click on Listen Live. You can crank us up at your tailgate. We're starting at 7 a.m. And we're rolling it all the way until Westwood 1's pregame coverage at 10.30. That's right. You can catch 
the national championship game here on 740 AM. The fans airwaves pregame coverage starting at 1030 on Westwood one before that chase Miller and myself, 7 AM to 1030 playing hurt, doing what we got to do to bring you that coverage. So I digress. Let's get back to those title teams in 1990 watching Sindor and Saturn and Todd Wash and Phil Hansen just dominated IUP, Signetti, their team. They had this, uh, Jai Hill was a good running back for them. Tony Alucci, I think, was their quarterback. North Dakota State had played them earlier in the year in a tighter ball game. Sindor was out. He played in the title game and showed the football world why he was a Harlan Hill winner. And now we're back after championships from 2011 to 2015 taking a hiatus in 2016, winning the last two in 2017 and 2018, to be playing for the 16th national championship. There's a lot of schools that don't have 16 10-win seasons in their program's history. There's a lot of schools, including South Dakota State, that have not made 16 playoff appearances. We're talking almost 40 conference titles for the Bison. Since John Kennedy was in the White House in 16, if the Bison can get it done on January 11th, 16 national championships in program history, standing in the way of the James Madison Dukes, and they are out there starting right away after they beat Weber State. I'll tell you what, I watched that Weber State game gun to gun. I'm not that impressed. Weber State laid a turd. They came out, looked awful early and that first quarter was a difference they dug themselves a double digit hole they claw back into it it's a seven or a ten point game a couple seconds left before half weber state scores they give up a big return to james madison james madison moves the ball a little bit they're getting ready to line up for like a 40 50 yard field goal attempt weber state calls a timeout to try to ice them James Madison says, eh, what the heck? Let's chuck up a Hail Mary. And it was putrid. It's the first time I've used the word putrid on the airwaves. I've heard it here with Swanee. But Weber State's defense was absolutely putrid against James Madison right before the half. And they connect on a Hail Mary touchdown against Weber State. They ended up winning 30-14. to 14. That was a big play and a turning point in the game. James Madison's a good football team. They're not invincible. And you, haven't we heard that from everybody else? Oh, yeah, you haven't seen a, a team like us. Haven't seen an offense like us. Didn't Montana State say that? Oh, we're physical. Haven't seen a team like us. How'd that one turn out? It'll be a tough game, and we're going to talk about it more this morning on Her to Here with Swanee. Chase Miller's in studio. We're going to preview, do a little early previewing of the title game against the Dukes. We're going to walk through the best moments of 2019 for the Bison. But I'm telling you this, guys. They beat you and I 17-0. Now, you look at that and you say, all right, 17-0. Certainly wasn't the uh, beatdown NDSU put on UNI earlier this year, 46-14. JMU only led that game 10-0 heading into the closing minutes of the fourth quarter against UNI. 
With two minutes left in the game, you and I has backed up inside their own 10-yard line. They have no choice but to go for it. They take a negative play. You and I turns the ball over on downs at their one-yard line. James Madison punches it in for a one-yard touchdown run with a hair over two minutes left. There's your 17-0 score. You could say, ah, it was an off day for James Madison. NDSU against Illinois State didn't have their best of days. Watching that UNI game and watching the Weber State game, Ben DiNucci, James Madison's quarterback, he's a he's a really good football player. Leads the nation in completion percentage, like 72 or 73%. Trey Lance, the Walter Payton finalist, has the best passer rating, best passer efficiency in FCS. But Danucci and watching him, you get a little pressure on him. You can't let him set back, sit back, rather, and throw the ball. He's a senior. He only has, was it five interceptions or one interception, something like that all year in comparison to the five picks he threw against Colgate last year. This is a different Ben Danucci. If anyone's talking about the Colgate game from last year's playoffs, wants you to, uh, Tell him, hey, now, it's 2018, buddy. Danucci's a better quarterback. He still had a real ugly-looking interception against you and I in the red zone going in. I said it last week. said it two weeks before that. I've been telling you for a month. With such good defenses left in the playoffs, the championship. James Madison's got a really good defense. They shut out you and I, shutting anyone out is tough to do. They only gave up 14 points to Weber State. Now, I hear you. Weber State, you and I, they are challenged offensively. They are very limited teams offensively. But to only give up 14 points in a quarterfinal game and a semifinal game, that's impressive. They've got playmakers on defense. This will be the best offense JMU's faced all year. And on the flip side of the coin, this will probably be the best offense the Bison have gone against all year. Danucci is a guy you got to get pressure on. And that's one of the keys that you'll hear a lot about in the next few weeks. Which quarterback can do a better job putting his team in a position to make plays? Which quarterback cannot make the big mistake? Which quarterback won't take the negative plays? I want to talk. I went back and... I was watching the 2017 title game where the Bison beat JMU 17-13. to The Bison, wow. Great title game. Absolutely. We won. They didn't. We've got the banner and the trophy. We'll take a win if it's 3-0 to in a title game or any game. NDSU's offense was awful in that first half, and they led 17-6 to and went uber conservative other then that, well, I suppose the first half, the big touchdown to Darius Shepard, that was in the first half. The Bison can't come out like that offensively in a few weeks. These teams are so good defensively. NDSU was living deep in its own territory that entire first half. Special teams was bad. They were giving up big punt returns. They held JMU to a couple field goals. I see a game real similar to that unfolding. I think it's going to be a defensive-minded game. I don't know how Vegas is setting the over-under at 50-some points. I think that's high. I think the difference is going to be what team can turn red zone opportunities into touchdowns and not settle for field goals. Which team is going to have dialed up 
the play calls in the red zone and which team is going to be able to execute. That was the difference in 2017. That's going to be the difference in 2019. We got a jam-packed. Heard it here with Swanee. Want to thank our sponsors this morning, Seabird Power Sports, Welton's Tire Service, Yonke Insurance, Altendorf Trucking and Express Norwood Sales. When we come back, Chase Miller from 740 AM, the fan, and myself, we're going to talk about the best buys and moments and the biggest stories from the 2019 season right here on Heard It Here with Swanee. Listen here, buys and country, as Swanee and the rest of the folks at the home ranch lasso up the good, bad, and mostly the ugly, the really ugly. Like a hard day and night of tailgating for 15 hours ugly of NDSU's opponents on the Thundering Herd cast. Oh, last week, the ugly. Getting it out of the way, Jeff Chote, Montana State's head coach, had some words that the Bison took personal. Matt Entz kicked off his press conference. Matt Entz has done a heck of a job this year. The Bison are 15-0, heading back to another national championship game. An amazing job by this coaching staff and this team. I love the fact he came out and said, we took some things personal this week. Here's some more crying from JMU fans. I'm reading you a tweet from the JMU underscore Go Dukes Twitter. I could lie and tell you it's from one of their official Twitter accounts. It's not. But if it were, here's what this Dukes fan says. Can y'all please stop favoring NDSU by playing third down bell only for NDSU and make the crowd cheer and make noises with your in-game entertainment activities only during JMU offense. This was blatantly obvious in 2017. Much appreciated. Hashtag neutral ground. Hashtag play fair. Hashtag unbiased. I should stay away from the Twitter stuff, Chase. I can't help myself. There's there's another attorney, a JMU guy. We We tweet back and forth. His name is Steve Brown, and he had a tweet this morning that said, like, the, the Dukes are going to get this. Most physical team, best team, most talented, dot, da da. And I was so close to taking the bait and being like, Steve, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. It's 6.30 in the morning. I'm making an, a coffee, and I'm trying to get or trying to avoid a Twitter fight. I'm like, deep, deep breath, Swan. Just walk away from it today, man. There's There's a lot of football we've got. The college football playoff games here on 740 AM. The fan this afternoon starting at 3 p.m. with the LSU-Oklahoma game followed by the Ohio State-Clemson game. The region sports leader. We're bringing you both semifinal games. I thought I, I'm going to avoid it. going to stay away from the Twitter fights. I'm just going to take a breath. Focus on the good. In the good, the bad, and the ugly. In the good, the best moments. The top stories from 2019 as we head into... A new decade in 2020 for Bison Nation, all the championship success. There's no way. We'll do a podcast on the best moments from the last decade in the championship run. That could take a whole hour in and of itself. We'll get that posted before Frisco. So I want to focus on 2019. Heading into the year, a lot of question marks. Who's going to be the quarterback? How's Matt Entz going to do in his first year as head coach? Both those guys, Coach Entz, his staff, Tyler Roll, first-year offensive coordinator, David Braun, first-year defensive coordinator. 
And all these young guys at key positions, whether it's Trey Lance, you know, Michael Tutsi, Christian Watson, have just performed. So I'm going to start off with that game. We'll just go back and forth with some big moments here. The opener at Target Field, a 57-10 to 10 win over Butler. Trey Lance dropping that dime out of the heavens that fell precipitously to Phoenix Sproles. Sitting there watching that pass, I thought, this kid's got something, man. That was a big moment, even though it was early in the first game. That was a big moment for the Bison. It was, and I think the other thing, too, you knew going into that matchup that Butler was not going to be the team that was really, at the end of the day, going to test North Dakota State. But you thought, hey, this is probably the best-case scenario if you're not playing a home game inside the Fargo in front of 19,000 people, that you're going to a neutral, and I put neutral in quotes, venue because you knew it was a Bison home game, 30-plus thousand fans that were in attendance, and you just thought, okay, there was all this newness, right? A new D coordinator with Coach Braun, a new offense coordinator with Coach uh, Tyler Roll, even though he's been in the system before. You got a new offensive line coach with Coach Blazek, Paulie coming in as a wide receivers coach. You know, uh, Coach Gazer taking a little bit more role on the special teams, even though he's been in high before, but now he's taking taking more roles. So there was a lot of newness to what was going to be happening. And then all of a sudden, you just looked up and go, kind of looks like the same old Bison, right? Even though there's a, a new quarterback in the backfield, you got some new guys at running back that we haven't seen before with Christian Watson and Phoenix Sproles on the outside. Uh, ben Ellison didn't play in that game, if memory serves. And the tight ends still come up big with Gindorf and Babbage and company. And then you saw defensively going, Okay, how are they going to use Jabril Cox? Where are they going to put him out? Okay, they're going to kind of move him around at each game and, and how the game flows and where they think that he can best serve North Dakota State, whether it be in a strong side linebacker or a weak side linebacker position. He kind of got to hear more about the uh, secondary with with Tutsi and James Hendricks to it to a certain degree. He got to see a little bit of Kayser out there, Josh Chase, Marquise Bridges, you know, on the boundary and what they can do uh, with the one of the top you know, pass efficiencies when it comes to the secondary for NDSU. So you look at that game, and I think a lot of people took a breath, Swanee, going, I understand it's Butler, but NDSU looked pretty good in that matchup. And the one thing people took away, which we started seeing a trend of, Matt Entz, why do you go for two points after a possible touchdown, especially, like, right off the bat? Uh, same, same response for Matt Entz was, well, I was a defense coordinator. And I remember if I was a D coordinator and I saw four, five, six different variations of a play, it drove me up at night and just made me nuts going, what if they do this? How do we respond? What if they do plan B? How do we respond? Well, me as a head coach, I'm putting that out there for the opposing coach, the opposing offensive coach, D coach, special teams guy. They're going to have to look at every kind of formation and wrinkle, and they're going to have to take the extra three, five, ten minutes, however long they're going to have to do it. But they're going to have to take the time to do it. And Matt Entz came out different than Coach Bowl, different than Chris Kleiman before, and said, we're going to put as many little wrinkles, as many little sprinkles, however we're going to do it, and make you take your full allotment of time preparation to get ready for North Dakota State. Matt Entz doesn't coach like he's a first-year head football coach. We saw that down in Brookings, maybe the the pivotal moment of the 2019 season to date. Fourth and Dakota marker. The Bison are backed up on their own 29-yard line elect to go for it on fourth and one. ESPN's in town in Brookings. College game day, the biggest day in South Dakota State athletics history. A full house at the Dyke House. They came into that game 5-1, and 6-1, whatever they were, number three in the country. And Adam Cofield rips off a 71-yard touchdown 
to put an exclamation point on the day the Bison would stuff SDSU on the subsequent drive, walk away with a win there. When you look back on it, that was such a big play. But Matt Anson, that game, halfback pass the previous drive, it was there. Josh Babbage was open. Demetri Williams just got tagged through a pick. Then the Bison have the big pick. Was it uh, Hayes? Mm-hmm. Hayes had the interception on the other end when SDSU was in field goal range. Bison get the ball back. Then the two-point conversion earlier in the third quarter that had a bunch of Bison fans up in arms and scratching their heads. Say what you will. This guy doesn't coach afraid. His players have responded to that. I venture to guess that if you go back and look between 2003 when Craig Bowles started here in 2018, Chris Kleiman's last year, Matt Ansis probably went for more two-point conversions this season than Craig Bowl and Chris Kleiman did combined in like 15 or 16 years. And especially with kind of like the swinging gate, you know, when it comes to the the PAT, right? You, you've seen this a lot where teams will go up four or five guys on the left, four or five guys on the right, then maybe two, three guys up the middle where the kicker slash holder slash long snapper is going to be your short snapper in this case. And you kind of go, okay, you look at the formation and it's really a numbers game. Or if you see something where you can get a Cody Malgrain, a little mini post pattern in the back of the the end zone then you got a guy by the James Hendricks who's been around football before right he used to be what was he in high school the quarterback and so you use that to your 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 versatility going I'm sure there was some point or the last number of years going if you know Kurt if uh you had Easton Stick go down and Trey Lance wasn't ready and you didn't have like a Cole Davis okay who's our emergency quarterback well, it's James Hendricks. I mean, we we've we've we talked about that over the years where James Hendricks has taken reps at times as a quarterback and he's been in the quarterback room just because of what his pedigree and what he did in high school. So you take a look at each player and how they can best serve your offense, your defense, and special teams. And make no mistake about it, Swanee, special teams in a game, which I know we're going to digress more on once we get to next week and definitely two weeks when we're down in Frisco, special teams can be the make or break in a championship game against James Madison. It just can't. Points are going to be hard to come by again. And you look at the end of the day, how can you maybe use a trick play or use a variation of something? I mean, we'll go back to NDSU's first championship game against Sam Houston State. It was a Voigtlander fake punt. <laughs> where he rushed for a first down, and then the next play you got that little you know mini screen in- inside on the fake play action that Brock Jensen finds McNorton, and DJ goes down and boom. Now now it's all all set into. And, uh, you know, history is getting written. So at the end of the day, when you can use guys like James Hendricks that Matt Entz has done and use them in the fashion of him being able to throw the ball, run the ball for that two-point conversion, and you do it enough you're going to make teams stay up late at night, Swanee, and that's the one thing here that I take from Matt Entz's two-point conversion plays going. He doesn't really care necessarily when the score is. He's not necessarily trying to run up the score if it's late. He's just trying to put something more on film, on tape, to make the other team have to prep for it and, and their, you know, once they get ready for this championship game. You talk about special teams being important. That 2017 national title game against JMU, special teams almost cost the Bison the football game and Chris Kleiman made a made it a point of emphasis heading into 2018 because the special teams were so bad that game. Whether it was punts getting shanked, giving up long punt returns, where JMU twice in the first quarter, one time started with the ball at NDSU's 15 yard line, Code Green clamped down. The Dukes had to settle for a field goal. A couple drives later, JMU had another big return. It was bad for North Dakota State that day. They missed a field goal late that would have given them a seven point lead. 
versus the four-point lead they took into the closing minutes. Special teams were bad for the Bison that day, and that's a big story in 2019. Kick returns, punt returns, coverages, the Bison have been pretty good. The field goal kicking game, they've been up and down. Sometimes Croza, that game against Illinois State, three for three, he was money. He missed a chip shot. Gimme last week. Boy, oh boy. Special teams are going to be a big, I have a feeling, Chase Miller, the special teams will play a big role come January 11th. we got to take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk more about the biggest stories in 2019 for the Bison. A big road win at Delaware. Back-to-back wins against Illinois State and you and I to kick off Valley play. There's much more where that came from. I want to thank our sponsor, Seaberg Power Sports, Walton's Tire Service, Norwood Sales, Altendorf Trucking and Express and Yankee Insurance. You're locked in and loaded to 740 AM, the fan 107.3 FM, 740thefan.com. This is Herded Here with Swanee. Plenty of time to get where you're going. We've got a winter storm watch going on. We're supposed to get piled on with the snow. Driving into studio this morning, the roads were starting to get slick. So if you need to get anything done, get it done earlier in the day rather than later. And if you do have to be traveling, take your winter survival kit. Make sure you have a full tank of gas. Let people know where you're going. And give yourself some extra time to get there. This is Herded here with Swanee on 740 AM. The fan along with Chase Miller. We're talking about the best moments from the 2019 season. And we learned a lot about, there were two sets of games, Chase, where I think we learned a lot about this Bison team, that they were for real and that they were going to be a player going into the playoffs for a number one, a number two seed and getting back to Frisco. It was that Illinois State, you and I, back-to-back weeks, playing the conference opener at Illinois State, followed by homecoming against UNI, games that the Bison won by a combined score of 83-17. to Trey Lance was sensational. Then there were those two road games, late October, early November, playing at Brookings, followed by a game at Youngstown State. Heading into the year, a lot of folks in the local media market had those games checked off as losses, after the Bison had, anytime you can go into Dyke House and get a win, even if you're not playing your best, South Dakota State is a really good football team. The Bison got the win there. They followed that up with a 56-17 demolition of the Penguins. It was 42-7 to at the half. Kobe Johnson put a stamp on that game with a 101-yard or 99-yard kick return for a touchdown, followed by a long touchdown run in the second half. I think after... Those two road games, Bison fans started to say, this team's getting back to Frisco. Yeah, and to your point against Northern Iowa when they won at home after coming back against Illinois State, and really against Illinois State, they jumped out early and the game was, I mean, you don't want to say it's ever over at halftime, but just because of the possessions of where it was and where NDSU was playing, you kind of felt really good that the game was probably all set and done. And something that North Alabama's head football coach said two years ago when they came in, or last season now, uh, Swanee, when they came in, and I remember he was on the Jack Michael show, and he said, the one thing when I put the tape on against North Dakota State, specifically in the Fargnome, is a lot of times the game's over by halftime. And he goes, I'm not trying to, you know, make it sound like they they can put their third strings in and, and they're not and they're not gonna, you know, end up, uh, you know, possibly making it a closer game. But he goes, by the time they get up by three, four scores, 
in the first half with how they play defensively, with how they play offensively, the game's over. I mean, you almost have to play perfect, and you're going to have to get a turnover or two. And the Northern Iowa game kind of got going more into the second half when NDSU started to make that separation in that run against UNI. But here are some of the numbers going back to it that I go, this is a prototypical Bison team. Trey Lance with 10 of 18 for a buck 45 and three touchdowns. Perfect. That's what you wanted for. It doesn't matter if it was Carson Wentz, Ethan Stick, Brock Jensen. That's what you want. You probably would rather go 12 of 18 for the numbers, but 10 of 18, buck 45, three touchdowns. Perfect. They rush for over 300 yards, 352 yards rushing, Swanee, on 51 attempts. If NDSU can do that against any opponent that they're playing where they can pound and ground, that means, one, they're getting yards, they're getting movement up front, and, two, you're all of a sudden making that possession game going down a little bit unless you get big-time 60-, 70-yard plays. So I took a look at that one. I go, once that game happened against you and I, and the question always becomes because this team was so young, so youthful. When are we going to see the youthfulness come out? I think we did to a degree against Nichols. I think we did to a degree maybe a little bit against a, uh, a Illinois State team the second time around with just the schemes that, that Illinois State brought in where you kind of said, okay, here's what a young team might look like the first time as a Trey Lance as a starter in the postseason than maybe, you know, the regular season. The bright lights are a little bit more. You understand every possession counts for a little bit more. But if they can get anything close to what they normally do with 300 yards rushing, not forcing Trey Lance to have to fo- throw the ball 20 times in a game 20, that's NDSU's recipes for success, whether they play Oregon next year, whether they play James Madison in the championship game, or going up against a UC Davis team in the Fargoon. That's the recipe for success for North Dakota State. If the Bison are able to run the ball 51 times, it tells me they're playing with a lead. They're playing ahead. If they can run the ball 51 times against James Madison, they're going to be in pretty good shape. And what's interesting with these teams They're almost mirror images of one another. Great defenses, playmakers at every position on defense. They got guys on the offensive end that can hurt you, and they've got good quarterbacks. Trey Lance and Ben DiNucci, two of the best quarterbacks in the FCS. They're very evenly matched. So I think the Bison, you know, having played in so many big games, and really any game the Bison play, they have the target on their back, and I suppose the same can be said with James Madison and the CAA, they're they're the alpha dog out there. Everyone wants to take them down and outside of NDSU. It's really been NDSU and JMU all year. Then everybody else, there's been such a gap. So they're used to playing in big games. NDSU's battle-tested, JMU's battle-tested. But what this team has had to, to go through to get those wins, and even in the playoffs, some real workmanlike performances against Nickel State, against Illinois State. I think the Bison put to rest any questions about the offensive, you know, quote-unquote woes. They came out that second quarter. Christian Watson, he's been a playmaker. He's been an absolute playmaker, especially the second half of this football season. It'll be some of the best plays of the year. His long touchdown bomb against Youngstown early in that football game, taking the top off the defense against Montana State and even against Illinois State. He had almost 100 yards receiving in the first half of that quarterfinal game. And we saw why he's such a threat for the Bison offense. Back-to-back plays. He had the 75-yard touchdown pass where Trey just dropped in a dime. Montana State goes three and out. Punts to the Bison. Very first play, 70-yard touchdown run on that jet sweep. If you go back and listen, go to 740thefan.com or subscribe to the Thundering Herdcast podcast. We got the show from last Saturday from Buffalo Wild Wings posted there. Chase Miller. 
I don't know if you remember you saying, because I listened to it when I was driving this week, you said the Bison would go to the jet sweep game and attack the edges and attack the perimeter. And, man, you got to be patting your own back because that's what the Bison did. They had Montana State so confused on defense, but that jet sweep, what a weapon in the Bison arsenal. And you didn't even have Phoenix Sproles in the game. You know, sometimes you think that jet sweep's going to go to a guy by the name of Phoenix Sproles, but he was out, so you had one of your playmakers out. But Christian Watson, those two plays of 75 yards and 70 yards, and the 70-yard one to really cap it off. And once it got to 22-7 at that point with that 70-yard jet sweep, you kind of felt like, okay, when is – uh, we we we're you know we we got a fiddle in the band. We you know we're gonna go down to Texas. You you kind of felt like when is this gonna start playing? Because I didn't know if Montana State had enough offensively and defensively to come back from a two score game, and they didn't. They never made it back to a one possession game. NDSU played their style of football. And the one thing when you start going up against teams is this, and we and we kind of said it on that show, Swanee, is you look at a team and going up against a James Madison, their front's gonna remind me going up against a Christian. Boom, South Dakota State led front seven, right? You're probably not going to attack the teeth north to south as much. You're going to take your chances every now and then to make sure that you're going to have to, you know, keep them at home, make sure their gaps sound, and maybe you can get something up the middle quick for 15, 20 yards and go. But Christian Watson, Phoenix Sproles, Ty Brooks, Kobe Johnson out in space, if you can get them out in space and they make the first guy miss, it's kind of like a punt return. You make the first guy miss in a punt return, you're going to get 10, 15, 20 yards more times than not. If you get these guys out in space, yes, you might have a four or five tackle yard for a loss if someone misses an edge block, for example, or, or a wide receiver doesn't see a corner blitz coming and they don't get him off his you know, uh, perch a little bit. He goes right in the backfield. But if these guys, Swanee, which you can use, we've seen Sabian in the, in the jet sweep game, Matt Entz alluded to that Phoenix Sproles should be back in the postgame presser uh, against Montana State, that he expects Phoenix to be back for that title game. Uh, so you'd have him back. if Jalen Bussey should be able yeah, to play. Uh, Christian Watson, and then you know you start looking at like a Ty Brooks if you use them. Okay, those are four, five, six guys that if you put in space, Swanee, and they get to that jet sweep game, even if they only go to it five times a game, they're going to have to make James Madison have to sit every little gap and every little formation. So we're going to see this stuff. I got a feeling NDSU is going to run a similar style of offense like they did against South Dakota State. You're not going to see a lot of stuff under center. I think you're going to see more stuff in a shotgun formation. The RPO. Use the RPO. Use the read option with Trey Lance and every now and then put a guy in motion and maybe off that motion you go play action down the field and you try to hit someone, especially if you have Watson and Sproles both 100% healthy. When we come back after the break, Chase, I want to talk about the Bison off and the Bison have done a great job offensively. But one of the things we were just talking about during the break, you know, you mentioned one of the big moments for the Bison early in the year. The running joke was the tight ends are paying Trey Lance for all these <laughs> touchdowns. Yeah. Babich had two in the opener. Gindorf had one. And we saw that little dump pass against UC Davis. We've seen them try to hit that a couple other times. But by and large, the last month or even two months, the Bison tight ends. The production has really tapered off, and it seems to be by design. They're just not getting a lot of targets. I don't know in the national championship if that's something the Bison are going to look to exploit. And same with the how many wheel routes wheel routes are Bison leaking the running back out of the backfield? Have we not seen? That was such a staple with the Bison offense in previous years, and is that something we can expect in the title game? I suppose I should be complaining when the Bison are putting up 42 points in a national semifinal game, but we'll start to talk about the preview of the game, what we can expect from the Bison and the Dukes, and we'll 
give you more information about KFGO and KNFL 740 The Fans. Live coverage down in Frisco. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 AM The Fan, 107.3 FM, and 740thefan.com. Welcome back to Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM The Fan and 107.3 FM. Make sure to check out our show page at 740thefan.com. Go to the podcast tab and also check out the Thundering Herdcast podcast where we give you more great buys and content. Want to thank Josh Linus for running the boards today, keeping the train on the tracks. Also want to thank you, our fine listeners, for spending your Saturday morning with us. Stay tuned for Chase Miller's FCS Saturday follow and Heard It Here and Thank you to Seaberg Power Sports, Welton's Tire Service, Yankee Insurance, Altendorf Trucking and Express, and Norwood Sales for sponsoring this audio excellence. Folks have been asking, what sideline are the Bison on down in Frisco? The Bison, the good guys. We don't know what jerseys they're wearing yet, but whatever jerseys they will be wearing will be stationed on the press box sideline. That's where the Bison will be standing. Remarkably, they are 7-0 and with Chase Miller down in Frisco and national championship games and when you think about how good this bison team has been the fact that you're seven and oh in national championship games the bison know how to prepare tyler roll was tweeting yesterday bison players were tweeting yesterday they resumed practice the winter camp Mm -hmm. i love the quote from coach roll winter is coming the game of thrones man i love me some game of thrones john snow saving the day winter is coming the bison are in winter camp coach ants and this staff, the guys that were around, whether it's a Coach Hedberg, a Coach Roll, a Coach Gazer, they know how to prepare for this. The Bison have been through this a lot. Now, James Madison, their players, some of them might remember the last time they were in a title game in 2017, losing to the Bison. But this coaching staff, Kurt Signetti and his crew, he brought in pretty much a whole slate of guys, a whole new stable of coaches. They haven't been through this. So it'll be interesting to see if either side has uh, any sort of advantage. I think the football teams are both so good and both so veteran laden. I don't know that that really favors the Bison or not, but you have two really, really good football teams. We're going to have wall-to-wall coverage of it down in Frisco starting on Friday, January 10th. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun, uh, Swanee, when you start taking a look at what this team uh, can possibly do. And I think when the matchups came out for the brackets, everyone thought NDSU James Madison. Unless someone stubs their toe or there's a monumental quote-unquote upset. I mean, you saw Mammoth have a couple big plays to start the football game against James Madison in the quarterfinals, but then kind of James Madison took over because Mammoth's defense couldn't do much. You saw Northern Iowa, and it was like, can Will McElwain do enough for you and I? Well, the answer was no. You and, you and I's offense couldn't get going against JMU's defense. JMU kind of ran a vanilla offense when they got up by two scores. didn't show much. They just knew that you and I wasn't going to score in the double figures against them. Then when it came to Weber State, uh, you know, Weber State maybe had one or two drives where they looked okay, but for the most part, James Madison won that game from start to finish. They did what they needed to do. Same can be said for NDSU against Nichols. Nichols was a probably a better team than a lot of people gave credit for when they came in, and NDSU had a tougher quarterfinal round opponent than Monmouth for James Madison, I would say. When you look, if you put those two teams to play each other, I would say Nichols would beat Monmouth at the end of the day. Then Illinois State, the second time around you play someone, it's like basketball. It's hard to beat a team three times in a season in basketball. Same thing in football. When you see someone a second time around, especially when you blew the doors off them at their home venue, they're going to come up with something different. Kind of the same for NDSU. You probably didn't want to come up with anything different because everything worked the first time. So give 
you know, tip your cap to Brock Smack in Illinois State for coming out with a different game plan, muddying the waters in that game and getting it late to the fourth quarter. Then you looked at that Montana State game, and when NDSU came out and hit Watson those two times, you're like, all right, this team looks focused, they look prepared, they look sharp, and they're out ready to play. So when you get to this matchup, it doesn't surprise me that's a pick'em game, Swanee. It's not going to surprise me that's probably going to be a one-score ball game once we get to it. And sooner or later, NDSU is going to lose in the championship game. Sooner or later, it's just, you know, I'd say it's going to happen, and this is a team in James Madison, how they're built, that probably gives NDSU the best chance for NDSU get knocked off. The first time they went down there against Sam Houston State, it was, okay, everything's new. You know, it was 50-50 for fans, you know, with Sam Houston State Bison fans. Second time around, NDSU knew what they needed to do. Third time around, it was a gold rush, literally down in Frisco, and they blew the doors off a of Towson in that field where I don't know if the field was the, the greatest in shape. And you just go back to the matchups. This is one of those games where I look at it and go, if there was a team, if there was a year, if there was a time, and everyone has said it for NDSU, not to not – not to lose bad, just you know, maybe lose by two points, this would potentially be it against this James Madison team. The difference, I think, and we'll talk about it a lot in the next few weeks here, is red zone. Which team can score touchdowns yeah. in the red zone against an opposing defense that's really, really good and clamps down versus which team's having to settle for field goals? We saw that against Illinois State. The Bison moved the ball and dominated that football game, but when you settle for three field goals, it's 9-0 instead of 21-0, to and the narrative is entirely different. Had the Bison been up 21-0, to we're talking about how the Bison, much like JMU against you and I, got up by two scores, salted the game away, but instead Illinois State was in that game in the second half because the Bison could not convert in the red zone. And I think the difference, I said it last week, and I'm going to say it again now, and this is going to be my mantra and theme for the next two weeks here, Trey Lance is the difference maker. I think he's going to win the Walter Payton Award. I think at the end of the day, whichever quarterback makes the plays, Mm -hmm. comes up in the clutch, is going to be the difference in that football game because the two teams are so evenly matched and someone's going to need to make a play in the fourth quarter or in the red zone. And you take a look at what Trey Lance did against Montana State or what Trey Lance has done all year. The ESPN announcers were comparing him to Pat Mahomes on that throw on that third down (laughs) he had to Demetri Williams, that touchdown. There's only one guy in the FCS that could do it. His name is Trey Lance, and he plays for the Bison. So for me, we're not going to give out score predictions this morning, but that's, in my mind, Trey Lance is a difference maker. Trey Lance is going to have to be, and you look back to that game against uh, you know James Madison, and at the end of the day, when the NDSU quarterbacks, Brock Jensen, Carson Wentz, Easton Stick, can even get 40, 50 yards rushing, it just opens up that offense even more. And when you can get a guy like Trey Lance running a backyard play scramble drill and throwing it to a wide-open Dimitri Williams, those are little things in a game which could help NDSU when a play breaks down, having a guy that's not going to force the situation, making sure that Matt Ants has always said it, Trey Lance knows if we end with a kick, we're doing something right, and that's what they've been able to do for the first 15 games of the season. One of the comments going back, and this is why you listened, uh, heard it here with Swanee friends, two years ago, when the Bison beat JMU in the title game, I remember listening to these airwaves and one of the Bison coaches on the offensive side telling you that if they had to do it all over again, they would be much more aggressive against JMU a second time around. After watching that 2017 game, and yeah, it was two years ago, different personnel, different coaches, I think the Bison will heed that. I think they will be more aggressive and take more opportunities down the field. I think they're equipped to do it. And we're excited as all get out to cover it for you here on 740 AM The Fan. 740 AM The Fan and KFGO will have wall-to-wall 
coverage starting Friday, January 10th with Mr. Joel Heitkamp, Tyler Axis, Chase Miller, and myself. Chase and I will be broadcasting starting at 7 a.m. Saturday, Championship Day. Make sure you stick around, folks, for the college football semifinal games. First kick at 3 p.m. this afternoon, LSU versus Oklahoma, followed by Ohio State versus Clemson. For Chase Miller, I'm Josh Swanson reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd. Duh.